Greetings, leaders. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of Leadership Is Podcast. I am your host, Jason Muhammad. Today, we're discussing eight keys for leaders to build a culture of high development. Greetings, leaders. Thank you for joining us for the episode of Leadership Is Podcast. Uh, today, we want to talk about eight keys for leaders to build a culture of high development, right? And so before we get started with the uh, base of the content that we have here, we want to talk about how important this really is, right? We're in a, a serious time of transition in this country and in this world, where we're faced with a few obstacles. Uh, the first one is, of course, we're still dealing with the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, which has killed uh, a, quite a, a considerable amount of people and also has affected this country in an economic way. For instance, uh, in April, the U.S. economy lost 20.5 million jobs and the employment rate soared to 14.7%. However, uh, the unemployment rate dropped in May to 13.3% uh, as employers added 2.5 million jobs. However, uh, still with those jobs that have been added, you know, and the unemployment rate dropped, you know, a percent to like 13.3%, there is still some economic backlash as it relates to COVID-19. Uh, here in our region in North Carolina, some of the banks even are looking at closing some of their branches. Uh, thanks for the information shared from an article uh, that uh, was written and it was shared on a LinkedIn by Nathan Ramsey, uh, who's, who's here at, at the Land of Sky and, of course, that deals with workforce development within our North Carolina region. And so these uh, are, are some statistics, right? These are some numbers that are a direct uh, reflection of the economic pandemic that is being caused by this COVID-19 uh, virus. Now, secondly, there are worldwide protests as it relates to the senseless murder of George Floyd. And then, of course, as it um, makes us re reiterate uh, the other uh, deaths, senseless deaths, uh, violent deaths that took place by unlawful uh, um, authorities here in this country, uh, Tamir Rice and uh, others, you know, of course, there's the Trayvon Martin. And, and these protests, right, are, are destroying uh, uh, the, 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 uh, some, some, some properties, right? But that's not even the, the, what we're talking about as it relates to the problem with the protest, right? Um, what is happening, the problem of the protest is what brought the protest about in the beginning. What was the cause of the protest? That's where the problem is, you see. However, um, with these 13.3%, you know, uh, dropped in May as it relates to the unemployment rate, uh, these people are going to be coming back to work, right? Those that have suffered from the COVID-19 pandemic uh, economic scare and, of course, may have lost some loved ones. And then those that have been uh, affected uh, by the cause of the riots that have taken place worldwide. What is the mindset that they're going to have when they come back to your organizations and, and to your jobs? Remember, uh, that uh, in May, 2.5 million jobs have been added, 
Right, because of the COVID-19 restrictions are easing up across the country. So, again, you have people that are going to be coming back to these jobs with a little anxiety, a little insecurity, right, and wondering what's going to go on. So you have to have people in place uh, who can address these issues. And so that's what we want to talk about today is eight keys for leaders to build a culture of high development, you know, even amongst the, the myriad of challenges that they're faced with today, business still has to go on, right? And so how you build that uh, culture of high development, it starts with a strategy. You have to have a strategy. You have to have strategies, right? But I want you to keep something in mind. I'm going to use two quotes today from Peter Drucker, who is a management guru, right? And uh, the first quote that we're going to use from him is he says that culture eats strategy for breakfast. I'm going to repeat that. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. Meaning you can have all of the structure, you know, written down and have all of your uh, quotes and have your mantras, have your um, your vision and your mission statements, your core values and your KPIs you know, written around and, you know, talked about. But, you know, that's fine. But what is your in fact, what is your in reality? What is your culture? Right. That is uh, within your company. So first of all, we have to look at what is culture? Well, culture is how and what we do. Right. It is the rituals, the routines. Uh, it, it's not what is written, but it is our actions. That's what a culture is. Now, many cultures are determined by uh, the geographical location, uh, religion, family, you know, history, routines and rituals. We, we don't want to <laughs> produce a situation like there's an old movie called Lord of the Flies where there was no one there when the crane crashed, the, the plane crashed, pardon me. And these uh, young young children uh, survived the plane crash, right? And there was no one there to give them structure. And so all they did was use what they already knew and what they felt and developed some form of a hierarchy, um, uh, a structure uh, on this island and developed a culture based on that structure. Right. And so uh, you have to watch the movie to understand. But it was it was really a little violent movie. Um, that's, that, that talks about, you know, the forming, right, of, of, uh, of a government uh, by people who really, not, who really did not have any form of internal uh, compass as it relates to a moral compass uh, in developing their policies and procedures and setting up their culture that they had. So it's a, it's an, it was a nice, you know, learning movie. If you go back and check it out, it's called Lord of the Flies. Um, so it's an older movie too, back in the uh, 80s, I believe it is. So anyway, that's what culture is. Culture is how and what we do. H how cultures develop is by the actions of people, good or bad. And then it is, uh, the if those actions are not put in check, it is based on the reactions or the response or lack of response by leadership. Right. So how cultures develop is enough people have to agree upon 
uh, this type of activity, this type of mindset and this type of activity, and then it becomes a ritual and a routine or habits, right? And you have to remember habit. I've talked about this in one of my prior uh, uh, podcasts, H-A-B-I-T, habit stands for how all behavior is transmitted. So when their habits, you know, form with their rituals and routines, where now it has the, with enough people in agreement to those rituals and routines, that becomes a culture. And that's how cultures develop, right? So but today we're talking about how do leaders, right, uh, build a, a culture of high development, See, that's what we want to build within your company. I'm going to read something to you from uh, the book called It's the Manager in chapter 29, written by Jim Clifton and Jim Harder, right, from Gallup. And it's based on their largest global study of the future of work. And it says in this book that they're creating a culture of high development. Here are four uh, things here, here, here's the four ways that they talk about high development cultures and how they are created, right? They say, first of all, they are CEO and board initiated. CEO and board initiated. The second one is you educate managers on new ways of managing. The third one is you practice company-wide communication. And the fourth one is hold managers accountable, right? So uh, the Gallup has studied the factors that separate great workplaces from lousy ones. They say a culture of high employee development is the most productive environment for both your business and your employees. See, if you want to look at how do you get a, an environment or a culture of high performance, well, first, it starts with creating a culture of high development. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you what Gallup says and then from another resource, what they say that bears witness to this statement. Uh, it says, how can your organization create a culture where consistent high development is the norm rather than the exception? Unfortunately, your culture is not something you can just turn on and off. You need to start with an intentional, well-planned strategy, right? It says, uh, the, the book continues, to begin with creating a culture of high development requires more than completing an annual employee survey and then leaving managers on their own, hoping they will learn something from the survey results that will change how they manage. Now, you, you need to take a closer look at how critical engagement elements align with your performance management and human capital strategies. It, it goes beyond your evaluations and then your surveys or even your leader coming up every now and then again, doing a rah-rah session, gets people hype, but does not produce sustainable change. Right. Uh, this this has to be uh, CEO initiated, CEO and board initiated. Right. And educated uh, managers on new ways of managing practice, company wide communication and hold managers accountable. I mean, th these are some things that have to take place uh, in, in, in your agency, company and organization. So uh, I've talked about this company, uh, DDI, which is uh, Development Dimensions International. And they did a, 
uh, study with uh, over 25,000 leaders, over 2,500 organizations with, you know, 2,500 uh, HR professionals. And what they've come to find out is that there is a disconnect between the HR professionals and the leadership as it relates to uh, company-wide uh, career development pathways and uh, leadership development. And so uh, it, it says here in their research that in terms of quality, HR professionals' assessments of their organization's leadership development program were lower than the leaders. So listen to this. 78% see their leadership career planning pathway systems as only moderately effective or worse right? 48% do not use the information from assessments and simulations to make leadership, hiring, and promotion decisions. And we're going to talk about that, you know, hiring and decision-making processes, because that's one of the eight uh, steps that I have here for leaders to create or to build a, a culture of high development. I mean, high development is just, you know, development, creating a culture of high development uh, could actually save your company. And I'm going to, you know, give some 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 more information that that sustains that statement. Fifty percent do not have well integrated and strategically aligned leadership development programs or processes. Right. Thirty five percent do not have a program to develop high potentials. And 45% of those that do, don't measure the effectiveness of the programs. Once again, if you are serious about growing your next generation leaders, you got to be serious about measuring the effectiveness of your programs. In fact, you got to even have a program, you know, <laughs> look again, 35% do not have a development, uh, a program that develops their high potentials or next generation leaders. Don't let that company be you. Okay. So, uh, number five, well, why does all of this matter? Why does any of this matter? Well, we're going to go into the second quote from Mr. Peter Drucker, and he says that three things happen organically uh, within a company. The first one is friction. The second one is confusion. And the third one is lack of performance. Now, when you have friction, you know, friction that is unchecked can turn into unhealthy conflict. Conflict, you know, conflict is a part of, you know, the growth and development of your company. However, unhealthy conflict can just destroy the team synergy, destroy uh, anyone's, you know, a, a, a desire to want to be a part of this team or want to be a part of this company even, right? When it turns into unhealthy conflict. Confusion makes it easy for people to make excuses for why work doesn't get done because they can say they were confused. And, and in fact, you know, they may not be lying. They can say they're confused. They can say, well, you know, again, uh, I'm, I'm confused about the work I'm supposed to do. I don't know what the KPIs are. I don't know what the core values are. I don't know what the job expectation is. I don't even have a job description. You guys hired me saying that you needed a position filled in X, Y, and Z and blah, blah, blah. So that confusion makes it easy for people to uh, make excuses for why work doesn't get done. And then the third one, he says, once again, is lack of performance, right? And so that lack of performance what that does is that that really affects your bottom line. So you must create a culture 
of high development to turn your company around if your company is faced with this, right? So we're going to take a quick break here and then I'm going to come back starting with an uh, article that was written from Alexis Crosswell, Senior Content Manager um, of, of Culture Amp. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for returning with us. Uh, we're talking about eight keys for leaders to build a culture of high development. So I'm going to read from an article from Alexis Crosswell, Senior Content Marketing Manager of Culture Amp. Right? She says, workplace learning and development programs empower people to gain new skills and grow professionally. Employees are more likely to be engaged at work when companies offer learning and development opportunities. A focus on learning and development can also increase retention. So you want to, you know, wonder why people are uh, your, your place has become a revolving door. It's because people feel like they run into a wall as it relates to growth and development or a ceiling. Right. Um, or a cap. Uh, as John C. Maxwell uses, you know, in, in the growth and development process of your company. They feel like they can't go any further. And, and, and those that are really intrigued by not only the, um, the company, but then the products and services, right? But then more importantly, they are connected to this idea of serving the ideal client, the ideal customer. They want opportunities to grow and develop within that company so that their intellectual property can be uh, added as input into meetings uh, and decisions about where the company is headed. And so if you don't have a program that's in there, well, they, they're, they're simply getting bored uh, with this company. They don't feel like there's any growth opportunity. And so they're leaving your company. Don't let that be you. Okay. She continues, since every company has its own values and culture, there are many ways to make learning and development programs successful. To gather inspiration for your next learning and development program, here are 10 real-world examples of what companies have implemented for their employees. Now, she has 10 listed in the article. I'm only going to look at three uh, of those said companies, and, he, and, he, and here they are. The first one is Yelp. Now, Yelp has a yearly revenue of $500 million to $1 billion. Now, listen to why. Everyone at Yelp has what is called stretch roles, giving people responsibilities just beyond their current capabilities creates an engaged workforce and a culture of mentoring. People are promoted from within, incentivizing both personal development and nurturing others. That's why Yelp is uh, 500 million to 1 billion uh, yearly revenue as a business simply because they do have what are called uh, stretch roles and stretch roles are okay so here's the uh, and this is just my viewpoint on it right so there isn't an official description of what a stretch role is in here from Yelp I'm just giving my uh, idea of what it would look like right so everyone at Yelp has a stretch role it says giving people responsibilities just beyond their current capabilities creates an engaged workforce and a culture of mentoring so this is not just someone who's responsible for let's say being on uh in in a, in a manufacturing type deal right and they're on there just pressing the machine in and out in and out so but they're responsible for that but they're also responsible for 
quality inspection um, of, of a certain amount of material, certain amount of product at the end of their uh, machinery work, right? And so therefore, that, that makes them feel like they're actually a part of something where they have say-so on what, what material should go with what packaging or pre-packaging, right? Um, even within customer service type uh, jobs where they can help in making some of the decisions, even some documentation uh, to help the flow of organizing the work that needs to be done. Okay, so the second company she mentions is Pixar. And after their sale to Disney, they had a $7.4 billion revenue. Uh, Pixar University offers required trainings as well as optional classes for uh, different disciplines. Now, see, there's a difference here, right? And so Pixar has required trainings. That means that they automatically from the jump you know, have development, growth and development in the mindset uh, for their employees when they come through the door. So that's absolutely outstanding, right? And then they also have optional classes for different disciplines. It says Pixar president Ed Catmull says Pixar University helps reinforce the mindset that that we're all learning and it's fun to learn together, according to a Harvard Business Review. See, they support their directors by empowering them to make decisions and take care not to undermine their authority. Directors take development into their own hands by asking for help from a creative brain trust of filmmakers, a uh, pillar of their peer-based process. You see, so they have a group that is in there. They call them the creative brain trust that these directors, you know, of these films uh, get get assistance from. But again, uh, there are required trainings that are coming through the door, and then there are optional classes for different disciplines within there, like the directors, producers, you know, sound check people, writers, right? There are optional classes for them uh, to grow their craft and to grow to, to for uh, growth and development. So again, there is a culture there um, that is for uh, of high development. Okay. The third one here is, of course, a company that um, Alexis works for, Culture Amp. Culture Amp has a five-year goal of hitting $1 million in revenue. Now, listen to their description here. It says, each employee has access to a professional coach through the Coaching for Everyone program. Employees are provided with sessions at six 12 and 24 months, and they can choose to focus on a personal or professional goals, right? So each employee has access to a professional coach through the Coaching for Everyone program. They have a Coaching for Everyone program. Now, remember, we talked about, you know, this um, in one of our episodes, why leaders make the best coaches, Right. And so why coaching is so important. And of course, you know, again, coaching, how I mentioned it is one of also is one of our eight uh, keys to creating a culture of high development. So she says coaches help assess where a person is and where they want to be, then guide each person through a strategy to reach their goals. See, so again, you got to have coaches in place here uh, to, to help, you know, uh, people to, to, to achieve 
their goals. Your, your company, remember we talked about this right in here from DDI, that 35% of companies do not have a program to develop their high potentials. And 45% of those that do, don't measure their effectiveness um, of these programs. Your company has to have a next generation leadership development program and coaching has to be a component of that program. I'm going to read something to you from DDI uh, Development Dimensions International. When they met with these 25,000 leaders, over 2,500 companies with 2,500 HR professionals, right? And it says in here that uh, developing next generation leaders and failure to attract, retain top talent were rated in the top five by 64% and 60% of respondents, respectively. So, in other words, the leaders clearly indicated that their top two uh, focuses are failure to attract and retain top talent, 60% of the respondents said, and then developing next generational leaders, 64% of the respondents uh, responded saying that developing next generation of leaders is their number one uh, topic and goal uh, for their company. And so, I mean, it just makes sense, right, uh, for, that, for that to happen. Now, here are my eight keys uh, to build a high culture of development. And I want you to pay close attention to this because it's going to tie back into the 13.3% uh, of how the um, unemployment rate dropped down because by adding 2.5 million jobs, right? When they added these 2.5 million jobs, you got to think. Statistically, before COVID-19 even took place, right? Before COVID-19 took place, before the senseless murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis took place that produced, you know, these riots that economically um, are producing another challenge, right? And then anxiety goes along with that. Before any of that happened, 88% of the workforce already felt undervalued. Three out of four employees uh, were engaged, uh, were disengaged, and uh, this would drive a cost of nine hundred and sixty million upwards to one point two trillion that was projected within that year because of the cost of mismanaged employees. Right. In fact, before any of this happened, again, employees said sixty-five percent would trade their salary to fire their boss. Fifty-eight percent trusted a stranger over their boss. And 31% of managers said that they received any train, any coaching. 34% said they received any mentoring. 39% said they received any formal training. Like, how do you bring people into leadership and management positions and you don't give them any type of training or have a mentoring or coaching program set up to support them as they go? See, this, this, so one, of, one of the things that I, I have been doing some reading, right, and in social psychology is called illusory uh, superiority where, you know, people, and, and especially this in leadership, where they, they think that um, they have uh, better capabilities to handle things than others who are faced with some of the same challenges 
who have the same capabilities but may not have, you know, the title as leader or CEO or CHRO, right? And, and, and so what this produces is a leader may have a situation within their company who say that they can address the situation in their company but have no actual data that shows that they have ever addressed this situation within their company before and don't have a system set up in place that will in fact right address this situation within their company and so what is what it's doing is that it's driving people out of the door it is driving them straight out of the door. People are quitting your place because of the cap that's put on top of them because there is no opportunity for growth and development, right? They're bored at your jobs. They're bored at these jobs. There is no fun at these jobs. I don't mean that a place has to have all these bells and whistles and clown colors and all of this, you know, all of that stuff. But again, uh, people have to be engaged at your job. And what helps that engagement is if they see that the work that they do individually is important, recognized, right? Is important and recognized. So companies promote uh, a, the wrong talent match to leadership positions 82% of the time. These are things that were happening um, prior to, right, COVID-19, prior to the riots and the senseless murders, uh, the senseless murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis that produced these riots that we see that are causing, uh, you know, an e another economic pandemic uh, in certain areas within the company. <laughs> right. So. Uh, so, again, uh, why does your company need, you know, uh, to create a culture of high development? Again, if you want your company to have a culture of high performance where everyone in there, they are performing well, they are performing at optimum, right? And they're performing because, not because of the work is easy, but they're performing at optimum because there's something on their mind. They're feeling like, you know what, hey, this work matters. My work matters, right? What I'm doing matters. They recognize that I'm an important part of it, even though I don't have a key leadership role or title, but my work matters. It values. So that's going to make them want to work even more. Then when they feel like there is uh, an opportunity for them to get into another level, those that have the ambition to do so, right? Those who have the ambition to do so, because remember, we talked about last week, are leaders born or are leaders made? There are two types of leaders that you have within your company. You have the recognized leader with the ones with the title or the ones with the position, and then you have the hidden leaders, those that don't have the but the the, uh, the title or the position, but they definitely have uh, the influence and they definitely have some empowerment that they do within that company there. And so you so this is really for you to be able to empower your hidden leaders. Right. Um, so the eight keys to build a high culture of development. Here's number one, leverage influence. You have influence in your company as a leader, as a manager as one with the title and authority of a leader. You have influence. Leverage that, that influence the best way that you can to get more vigorous work, high performance, growth, and development from your employees and especially uh, igniting that spark and fire within your hidden potential leaders that are in your company. 
Number two, reduce stress. How do you reduce stress in your company? Right. Well, you, you, you come through sometimes, walk through your company and, you, you know, around your employees and just talk to them. Just ease it up for a minute. You know, just talk to them, answer some questions that they may have. Right. Or, or making sure that uh, number three that we have here is keep open communication. Many people say that they have an open door policy at their companies, right? But then the, when you go to the door, the door is always closed. And then when it does open, you're on your computer or you're saying, hold on for a second, let me finish something up here. And then you, you, you get started and then you tell them again, hold on for a second, I'm sorry, I apologize. Let me X, Y, and Z and blah, blah, blah. You're not open, right? You're partially open, you're cracked, <laughs> right? But if you have open um, uh, keep open communication, which means that now people won't feel the need to go and slack and backtalk and gossip and backbite, right? Uh, this is called, this is unhealthy conflict we talked about. And so it goes back up to number two, it increases stress. And so in order for you to reduce this stress, right, you should keep open communication uh, within your company so that people feel like there is an avenue by which I can voice my opinion. I can vent this stress off because if they don't vent it to you, they're going to vent it to somebody. So why not let it be you? Right. All right. Or let it be your process or your systemic way of uh, how you have um, uh, open communication set up within your company. All right. So let's go to number four. Use emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is simply, you know, you are listening empathetically to people as they talk. Your, your emotions, you're in tune with your emotions and you're in tune with their emotions. What, that, what I mean by that is that you, you see what triggers them, right, for either excitement, joy, happiness, or sadness, or anger. You, you, you sense, you know, what triggers uh, them and your employees as it relates to uh, conversation and as it relates to uh, team meetings, right? So use emotional intelligence. Um, number five, the three C's, consistent coaching conversations. As we have read from Gallup, as we have read from DDI, have as we have read from Alexis Crosswell, you know, content manager for uh, for 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 Culture Amp, right? And we've read from them, and there's been a consistent theme within their uh, conversations as it relates to how to structure a culture of high development. And they talked about coaching, so you have to have a consistent coaching conversations. This means that, again, it goes beyond the yearly evaluations and or performance evaluations, right, uh, that you have, but these are consistent coaching conversations. How many employees in there actually know what their stand, what the standards are, what their expectations are for their department or company, right, or in their area? And then how many of them are being measured? How many of them are being told uh, uh, whether they are meeting that standard or those expectations or not? And then if they are being told, how many of them are being coached if they're not reaching those standards? How many are being coached into how to reach those standards, right? How many have been given goals and then coached through those goals of how to achieve those standards? See, you got to have consistent coaching conversations. 
That's number five. Number six, higher potential and not perfection. You know, many people can pass an interview. Many people can write the correct things down on a job application. But when you're in your hiring process, right, or your interviewing process even, you want to give world company-specific, real uh, company-specific scenarios, right? And and so you don't want to necessarily see if, Uh, the person gets the answer right or wrong, but you want to measure the mindset or the soft skill called critical thinking. You want to measure how do they think uh, in this problem? How, what methods, what resources would they use to solve this problem within that uh, scenario? That is how you hire potential and not perfection, right? So number seven is make the tough or right decisions. I've talked about this in one of my prior uh, podcasts about how leaders make up their mind, right? M-I-N-D. And that stands for mission, information, negotiation, and decide. Every leader thinks differently. And in one of my episodes, episode 13, I believe it is, I'm going to talk about the three things that every leader does. Now, a leader see differently, right? Leaders see differently, S-E-E. But right now we're talking about make the tough and right decisions. MIND, M-I-N-D. It stands for mission, information, negotiation, and decision, okay? So you can go back and listen to uh, that that podcast um, as well. Number eight, challenge the small stuff. Many people say, well, don't sweat the small stuff. And some people say, sweat the small stuff. I'm saying challenge the small stuff, right? The small stuff here can be a negative and it can be positive. Negative is someone made a mistake or whatever like that. Challenge that small thing. It's a small thing now, but if they continue to make the mistake, it becomes a mindset, a habit or a ritual and a routine that can eventually over time affect, you know, the quality of your product and your service. So you want to challenge that small stuff. That's from, you know, that's from the problem side of it. From the positive side of it is that if you see a person within your company who has that leadership spark, right, you see them do little things um, as uh, as as uh, Alexis Crosswell talks about, you see them with a stretch role, right? Um, it, but self-imposed. <laughs> so which means that they take on just a little bit more than uh, what their job description says, but no one told them to do so or it was not a part of the uh, job description. They just decided to do it, right? So then you see that there is a little leadership spark there. Challenge that small spark. Right. See how far you can grow that that small spark. Right. To get uh, greater results from this emerging or hidden leader that you may have within your company. So to recap uh, the eight keys to build a culture of high development, leverage influence, reduce stress, keep open communication, use emotional intelligence, three C's of consistent coaching conversation, higher potential Uh, not perfection, make the tough and right decisions, challenge 
the small stuff. And once you do these things, right, once you uh, use these eight keys to build a culture of high development, what that ends up doing is that that, of course, increases your bottom line. It increases work performance and it increases your um, potential to retain your ideal customer. Thank you for listening. Greetings, leaders. Listen, I really hope you enjoyed today's podcast, Eight Keys for Leaders to Build a Culture of High Development. Uh, The eight keys were, number one, leverage influence. Number two, reduce stress. Number three, keep open communication. Number four, use emotional intelligence. Number five, the three C's, consistent coaching conversations. Number six, higher potential and not perfection. Number seven, make the tough or right decisions. Number eight, challenge the small stuff. So if you could, please follow me on social media. Twitter is at LeadershipJM. Facebook and Instagram, JM Leadership Consulting. Also subscribe to this podcast using Anchor app or anchor.fm. Spotify and Apple Podcasts also is available and you can search for it using Leadership Is. I work with emerging leaders, high potential employees, and students to develop and embrace a growth mindset for leadership. If you would like for me to do a presentation at your organization or keynote your next event, please contact me at jason at jmleadershipconsult.com or visit my website www.jmleadershipconsult.com and we will respond promptly and always remember leadership is influence and service.